Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Benoff. We have a special guest with us here tonight. Uh, we've got a, a fantastic show lined up. Can't wait to get into it. Joining me tonight, as you guys can see, we've got Jacob Turrell, Earl Nieto, and our special guest, Director of Communications and Fan Experience for New Mexico United, David Carl. David, first off, thank you so much for being here with us this evening. And uh, a big thank you and congratulations to uh, to you and Chanel. So please thank her for allowing you to, to join us this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, Chanel is... Uh... I think hanging out in the other room and maybe falling asleep. So I may get up and shut the door here in just a little bit. So I don't wake her up. All right. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. And you know, Jacob and Earl, obviously, you know, that their wives are, are nearby and Jacob's got kids. So, you know, we, we understand, you know, so, um, but yeah, we appreciate you being here. We've got a, a whole bunch to get to this evening. Um, first thing I do have one burning question for, for all three of you. Does the men's national team somehow bottle their chances at qualifying tomorrow? no, <laughs> don't put that bad juju out here what are you well, doing? i just i have to ask because you know last no, you do last time you do not <laughs> all they had to do last time was draw against trinidad and tobago and they couldn't even do that so. yeah but this is this is a much much lower bar they just have to not lose by six i mean yeah i, I think they'll be okay if, if <laughs> not they should just dismantle the program and it's a much better team than yes. than four years ago so i I'm not worried at all, and how dare you even put that <laughs> I into have, the universe? I, I have my answer from President Trump. I may do it. Damn it, I may do it, and I can do Why? it. If I want. Why? If we can do it through a negotiated process. We're giving that a shot. Oh, but I am allowed to do that. Yes, I haven't done it. I'm. <laughs> oh, Earl. So that's the only one I had. So we're out of luck now. Okay, I burned through it. Quick. Oh. <laughs> And wow. Unfortunately, it had to be that one. So two minutes into the show, and you had to pull the president into this. Two thirty. Two minutes. Two thirty. Former president. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think, like 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 you said, Jacob, the team is much better this time around after the, the performance against Panama on Sunday night. Uh, I'm pretty confident in in how they're looking. Uh, maybe we see some guys get a few extra minutes that they wouldn't normally see in this match, but I'd love to see Gio Reyna get some time in there. You know, he got a little bit towards the end of that match, but I mean, the fact that they won as convincingly as they did without some of the best players, you know, no Wes McKinney in there and Kristen Pulisic did great. Um, but two of his goals were, you know, via the, via penalty as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I would bet the farm, uh, that they are not going to, to bottle, a six goal differential advantage. <laughs> All right. Well, good to know. Good to know. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, we've got a whole bunch to get to tonight. Um, you know, David, I kind of let you know ahead of time that we're going to talk about open cup and I told the guys to get some questions ready. Uh, we had a couple questions pop up over on Reddit to ask you as well. Um, but first and foremost, we're going to, I want to go back to 2019. Now at that time you were the, the president of the curse. You were involved deeply with that. I think you were at all of the, all of the matches during Open Cup run, and uh, I know particularly in particular you were at Minnesota. Oh yeah, I missed um, missed Phoenix, missed that Phoenix match. But other than that, I was at all the Open Cup matches. Okay, yeah. um, so going back to that, you know, being able to be there in person for that run, watching United take down two MLS clubs, you know, take down, uh, you know, Colorado Springs, uh, and going through that, what was that like as, as traveling as a fan to those matches? 
Uh, incredible. Uh, first and foremost, I, I think, and I tell people this all the time. I think that that match in Denver against Colorado Rapids may be the best sports moment of my life. Um, because when we went up there and we won that match, it was for the first time we were saying as New Mexicans that we belonged. We could compete at any level. We can compete with the MLS clubs. And we showed the world on that day that we could. Um, Dallas was the icing on the cake, you know, to go in there and get that win after the fact. But to do it in the, in the dramatic fashion that we did in Denver, to beat the MLS team for the first time, to be the David beating Goliath. I cried when we won that match. I have, I have no shame in saying that. I was in the stadium, and, and when, that, when that last penalty went in, I, I lost it. Um, I was not the only one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it was, it was incredible. And, and just the excitement surrounding that tournament, um, you know, getting the buses together for, for that, uh, you know, long bus ride to Denver and then an even longer one to Dallas. And then we're on the way back, uh, from Dallas. I get on the bus after we win that in dramatic fashion as well. Uh, and I get a bunch of texts from a bunch of people saying, Hey, we're getting a bus to Minnesota. Um, to which I said, absolutely not. <laughs> That's like a 36 hour <laughs> bus ride, I think. Um, but man, it was, it was one of the greatest experiences of my, of my life. It was so much fun. Talking about that Minnesota trip. I, I looked around, I couldn't really find the, the story of how that came together, uh, in the first place. Now first financial, obviously, you know, did, did funded that and help, help with that. How did that come about? How involved were you with that process and what, or was that more like the club and first financial? Yeah, uh, all of the above, actually. So as I mentioned, I'm on the bus on the way back from Dallas. You know, we are overjoyed, jubilant, also really dehydrated because they ran out of water um, in, in Dallas and it was super hot and humid. But uh, we're on the bus and I'm starting to get these texts asking, you know, are we getting a bus to Minneapolis? And of course, I, I said no. Um, and but in my head, I'm thinking, OK, how can we afford to get there? Um selfishly, I'm thinking, how can I afford to get there first, right? How can I get there? So I start looking at flights from Albuquerque to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, they are crazy expensive. It was something like $800 round trip. And I was like, I, I can't afford that. And I'm sure most of our fans can't afford that. And so in my head, I'm thinking there's, we're just not, we're not gonna be able to do it. You know, I'm not gonna be able to go. We have to watch this one at home. And it was a little disappointing, but at the same time, we're like, we got watch parties, you know, we can have a great time with it. It'll be good. And so that's what I'm telling people. Um, and then, um, you know, got, went and had a conversation with Pete um, on the bus, on the phone, um, just talking about it. And he says to me, well, why don't we get an airplane? And I thought he was joking. I laughed. Uh, I thought he was joking. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's get an airplane, Pete. Let's just, yeah, go to the old airplane store and buy us an airplane for airplane trips. Um, and... Uh, I guess at, at the time I thought he was joking, but I guess he was serious because uh, we spent the next seven days essentially. And I did not work for the club at the time, but I spent the next several days at the front office alongside Ron Patel uh, and Peter and uh, Clint Gray, who didn't work for the team yet either. Um, who was just a, a big fan like I was. Um, he worked at first financial credit union and first financial was a sponsor of the club. And he went to the, his people there at First Financial and said, hey, can you maybe throw a couple bucks in uh, to help supplement the cost? And they said, yeah, no problem. So they're, they're going through. We're having meetings with them. Um, and then one of the head guys there comes in and says, well, what if we like really put in like 
a lot of money. What if we did this this contest to get people on the plane? And what if we like really supplemented the cost so that everybody could go? Because what we were initially thinking was, could you pay for a few people to go? Like, could we have a contest? Could you pay for like three people to go? We'll have everybody compete and three people will go and represent New Mexico United and it'll be awesome. Um, but then they came back and they said, well, what if we did this? And what if we pledged this much larger amount of money? And we said, okay, if we get that amount of money, we'll take these plane tickets. And if, man, dang, we can reach out to an airline. So we reach out to Sun Country Airlines. We find a hotel. They're like, okay, if you do that, we could do this whole trip for all these people for 300, 400 bucks. And, and that's what we did. It was it was insane. I, I didn't think it was going to come together like that. We were just hoping to get a few people there. But first financial and the hard work of Peter and Ron and Clint really made that happen. And it was it was the coolest, coolest thing. Obviously, being there in Minnesota, you know, it, it's a, a much larger atmosphere than what everyone's used to playing here in Albuquerque. To see Santi get that opening goal, you know, what was running through your head, you know, being there in person at that time? Uh, I... So as a capo, I pride myself on making sure I keep my voice throughout the entirety of the match, right? You got to you got to yell, you got to cheer, but you got to preserve some vocal cords. My vocal cords were gone in the ninth minute at that match. Uh, when Santi scored, I, along with everybody else there, we lost our minds like, oh my God, we're going to do it again. This is crazy. Like we did it in, in Denver. We did it in Dallas and we're in this one of the best stadiums in all of the United States, one of the most beautiful soccer stadiums I've ever been in in my life. And against a team, by the way, that played all of their starters in that match. That was not a B team. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, Oh my God, we're going to do this again. Uh, And then, and, and then the rest of the match happened. Um, We didn't do it again, but uh, it was just so cool to be in that incredible stadium and to really just, have our own little pie wedge. I'm sure you guys have seen the photos, that wedge of just a sea of yellow and a sea of, of black and yellow. And, the, you know, we're surrounded by, by Minnesota fans, but that was the loudest section of the stadium. That was the most energetic corner of the stadium. And when Santi scored that goal, it was absolute bedlam. Yeah. We, we always see that United obviously travels well. We were down in El Paso last week, a couple weeks ago for the match down there. And, you know, a couple hundred uh, supporters there, not only in, where the curse had a, had a block, but throughout the stadium, you know, different United supporters were there. In 2019, the club didn't get to host an Open Cup match. Now there was a lot of speculation as to why that was the case. Um, now, obviously, we know a lot of it has to do with the isotope scheduling and, and different things along the, along those lines. Fast forward to now, we haven't had an Open Cup for the past two years, obviously, because of COVID. You know, the, but the Cup is back, and the club announced a few weeks ago that we are hosting a match over at UNM. Um, and in a conversation that, that we had down at Mesa del Sol, um, you told me that you were actually the one that was kind of involved with making sure that this is set up, talking to Open Cup and I'm assuming USSF as well to make sure that everything was uh, was aligned. So what's that process like for from the club perspective, you know, getting into number one, getting into Open Cup and then the process of hosting a match? Yeah, absolutely. So. U.S. soccer comes to all of the eligible clubs, and that's at any level, right? You could be NPSL, you could be USL League Two, you could be MLS, whatever. Um, and they let you know, like, hey, you're playing in this round. So for us, the second round is where we enter. Um, and these are the potential dates uh, of that second round. So 
That would be April, what, 4th, 5th, and 6th for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, and do you have a facility that can host you for those on those dates? And so for us, we went to the potential facility. So that's Isotopes Park um, and UNM, uh, the women's soccer uh, facility there. Isotopes were unable to do so. They've got some stuff they got to deal with with the field. Totally get it. So we go to UNM and UNM is gracious enough to say, yeah, absolutely. You can host the match here. We've got a We've got a facility for you. So we go back to U.S. soccer. We say, hey, we can do it on these dates. They say, okay, great. We'll get back to you um, after the draw. And so then we they do the draw. We're drawn against either Park City Red Wolves or Las Vegas Legends. And they tell us, this is the date you're doing it on. So we've got it on the on the 5th there, on the, what's that, Tuesday the 5th. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then obviously they play the match between Park City and, and Las Vegas. And we find out we're playing... Las Vegas. I mean, that's that's kind of the the overview of it. There's a lot more, obviously, that goes into it. We got to figure out, you know, what's parking going to be like. Where can media be? How do credentials work? Um, we got to figure out a seating map. What? How much are tickets going to cost? All that kind of stuff that we typically do at Isotopes Park, and we've got it on. We've got a really nice system at Isotopes Park where we're like we know what we're doing because we've been doing it for four years, minus the one that we didn't play a home game. So we are, you know, we know how to plug stuff in. It's a little different in isotopes. We got to use a different ticketing system, all that kind of stuff. I mean, excuse me, at UNM, we got to use a little bit of a different ticketing system um, and all those things we need to figure out logistically, concessions, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's the boring piece of it. The The important thing is we've got a place to play a home match for the first time in the history of the Open Cup. Um, and that is thrilling. That is exciting. Uh, we get to host it here for the first time and uh, hopefully come out with a win against Las Vegas. The club has played over at UNM twice before, uh, once against uh, Cardiff City, and then once we had an inter-squad match when Colorado couldn't come down. Um, how do you think this is going to compare turnout-wise and what's been done over at the soccer complex to help prepare for this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was actually uh, talking to one of the associate um, athletic directors in charge of facilities, his name's Matt, uh, today. And one of the things that's really interesting with regard to it is you got to remember we're still in March. Um, it'll be April, obviously when we play the match and the field is still dormant. Um, the soccer field is still dormant. So it's going to, it's not quite as green as it'll be. Um, so that's something to consider when you got to line the field, right? So typically on a soccer field, white lines, obviously white lines won't show up very well on a yellow field uh, because it's dormant. So it's one of the things we're like, okay, do we do black? Do we do red? That kind of stuff. Then we have to go back to U.S. soccer. And it's it's these little tiny logistical things that you have to go back and, and get figured out. Like, are we allowed to have black lines? Is, is that something that U.S. soccer would allow? And turns out, yes. Um, so we'll either have black or red lines during, during that match. Um, but as far as kind of turnout, it'll be interesting to see uh, because it is midweek, right? Tuesday, we don't, we've only done, I think, one ever Tuesday match in the history of our club. Um, and so this will be the second. So I'm really interested to see what the turnout will be like. Really, it's the first one, though, that technically matters, right, that we played at UNM. So Cardiff was a friendly. It was a lot of fun. We wanted to win all that kind of stuff. Kenny Akamatsu had the best match of his life, I think, in that match. It was great. Um, and then the other one is obviously an intra-squad friendly, and we're just trying to get warmed up and make sure we don't hurt anybody. Uh, so this will be the first one that matters, and that's really, really exciting um, and again, the opportunity to host in this tournament is is really, really cool. One of the questions we saw pop up over on Reddit earlier when we did announce that you were coming on the show was, uh, is Ford Parker going to get the start tomorrow uh, on next week? 
You're asking me? <laughs> yeah, that was the question. That, that was one of the questions we got. So. I, I have no idea. Uh, I, I think it'd be really cool. I would love to see Ford get some time. I mean, he's played on that field. I mean, that, that, that is, that's, that's his home field. So I would, I would love to see Ford get the opportunity to play there. Um, I would love to see somebody like Christian Nava get the opportunity to play, um, you know, get some minutes on that as well. Um, you know, some of the guys who maybe haven't had the opportunity with that said, I mean, you guys have gotten to know Zach a little bit. That's a competitive dude. Um, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna go out there and think of this as anything other than an opportunity to win. And he can win with, with Christian Navi. He can win with Ford Parker. He can win with Alex Tambakis. He can win with Jerome Kiesvetter. And, you know, we we are very blessed to have talented players across the board and have depth I don't think like we've had in the past. So I'm excited to see who is going to be there. But if you're asking me for insight, I have none. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It was just one of the questions that popped up over. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Reddit. I figured we'd ask that out there. Um, I did. Uh, also in terms of open cup. Uh, so I've actually reached out to Las Vegas lights, Las Vegas legends. I've been trying to get an interview set up with them. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't got back to me yet. I know I was watching their broadcast the other night and there was a little bit of a, seemed to be a little bit of a discrepancy in terms of like who, what league they're actually in now. Cause I know they, they qualified as NPSL. But on their on their Wikipedia page is a part of a NISA now. What you know? What's kind of their? And I know that they originally came from the MASL. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's been your interactions with the legends to find out about their club and preparation for the cup match? Yeah, so they, they did qualify to NPSL, and that's what they're classified as for the Open Cup. Um, as far as what they're doing in league, I don't know. Um, if, if I'm being honest, I know that um, our technical staff. So Zach and Mac and Junro and uh, Nate and and everybody over there, um, they are the ones who obviously are doing the scouting because I wouldn't even know where to begin on any of that. Um, They are the technical minds on all of that kind of stuff. Um, They they don't, from what I've been able to tell, the NPSL is obviously a very different league than USL Championship, right? Their front offices are typically not as robust um, as the USL Championship. Um, you know, they are going to be hiring a, uh, I guess my only interaction with them is they reached out to me to make sure that they have, a, they have a reporter, a local reporter here, um, who is going to be covering the game for them. And so essentially writing their match recap, the stuff that I do for us, um, they don't have the ability kind of to send the comms guy. Obviously they were probably operating on, on a budget that's a little bit tighter and, um, you know, playing in the open cup for a lot of these teams. Is, is tough. I mean, it's, you got to be able to pay to get there. You guys remember in, in 2019, the Florida soccer soldiers, um, they beat the Charlotte independence uh, and then they had to do a fundraiser to get to their next round. Um, so that it's not easy uh, to do this. Um, but my interaction with them has been pretty much solely that, you know, just making sure that there's a reporter in town that can cover the game for them, make sure they get exactly what they need. Um, I don't think that they're going to be to my knowledge anyway, uh, sending anybody, team related other than the technical staff and the players. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, open cup provides an opportunity for lower level clubs to, to get in. And obviously, you know, we saw the success that United and St. Louis had a couple years ago. Um, now, yeah, it's, it's a, it's been a long time since anyone that's not MLS has won this thing. Rest, uh, rest in peace. Like Rochester rhinos. Um, right. But so, you know, looking at, 
the the new tournament format this year, do you think it benefits the lower league clubs a little bit more, or do you think it still favors MLS? I think it's a more fair structure. Um, you know, I I like the fact that you have MLS entering earlier. Um, I think that is. It, it presents more David versus Goliath opportunities, which is, I think, what fans want, right? Fans like the upset. Fans like to see New Mexico United beat FC Dallas. Fans like to see the Florida Soccer Soldiers beat Charlotte Independence. That's fun. That's fun for neutrals. Obviously, it's not fun if your team gets beat by a league that's lower than you. Uh, but I think people really enjoy that. And so I think U.S. soccer is trying to make more of those matchups happen. Now, if you're just thinking of it tactically, does it maybe make it a little bit tougher on some of those lower league teams? Yeah, potentially. So, you know, if, if I get the opportunity to, if I'm an MPSL club, for example, and I get the opportunity to play an MLS club, that's awesome. Especially if I get to play it at home, I'm going to sell that match out. It's going to be a great fundraising opportunity for me um, and a, a way to really kind of showcase soccer in my community. But there's also probably a more likely chance that you get, you get beat pretty handily, right? I mean, obviously, there's always upsets. We've seen that. Um, but I do like the format. I do think it, it makes it better for lower league teams. It, may, it allows them the opportunity to make some money, um, which otherwise, again, they may not have been able to do in the same way. And then they reinvest that in the club. And I think it just it does elevate the opportunities for those clubs to become stronger through the money that they make. Um, and then, again, if they go ahead and they get an upset, then maybe you've got two matches at home. Maybe you're playing a, a USL championship club at home, and then you're playing an MLS club at home. And, um, you know, the, one of the other things that shifted with the format this year is they made it uh, potentially more likely for one of those lower league teams to be able to host a higher league team. That wasn't always the case. And and I like that. I, I really like when, a, uh, you know, a pick your team, uh, Houston Dynamo has to travel to, you know, FC Bravos. That that's awesome. That's so cool to see this MLS team having to travel down there, and then you know Houston Dynamo gets a taste of the fan base there at FC Bravos. It may not be the size of the fan base they're used to playing in front of, but those lower league teams they've got fan bases with heart, and that's what the tournament is all about. So, I know in year one uh, on the Curse Cast, your your co-host there, RJ, was. Um not sold on the idea of going for the and i gave him so much crap for that jacob i know i know um is this year after the run in 2019 and the dip in form in the league do you look at it differently at all this year or do you still want that quarterfinal run i don't want a quarterfinal one i want i want a final i want a championship i want to i want this club to lift the open cup and i want them to win the league too uh, and and is that greedy? Absolutely. Uh, but if if we're not striving for those things, if we're not striving to win every competition we're in, then we're doing ourselves and our fans a disservice, in my opinion. Um, and I don't want to speak for Zach, but I would be shocked if he didn't feel the same way. That man does not have a non-competitive bone in his body. Um, and so I think he'll want to beat Las Vegas Legends just as badly as he'll want to beat Phoenix Rising the following week. Seth looked like he was scrambling. Yeah, and I was uh, looking, checking my email uh, for something real quick. Earl, yeah, do you have any questions Open Cup related? No? Oh. All right. Um, so, obviously, we know the match is, is a week away, and we typically don't you know, go too far ahead. But uh, do we have scoreline predictions, or are we just uh, going to say United wins? Oh, let's do it. Why not? Okay. I'll throw something out there. Give me a minute. All right. 
So we don't play for our, our next league matches until the 16th. So I think we kind of rub it in a little bit. And I I think eh, four. Four one. Four one? Okay. I think four one. Earl, what do you that's, think? That's, it's modest by my means, but uh, I want to say make sure this seems on. Yeah, uh, I want to say three nil. Three nil. Okay. All right. Um, we'll let David go last year. I'm. I was. Yeah. I, I agree with Earl. I say three nil. We get a chance. To get you know. See Christian get out there. Uh, you know, maybe see some guys that we don't normally see minutes. Maybe Ford get some time. Uh, maybe see Carl Sainty out there. You know guys that have looked good that we've seen, you know, in the practices. Uh, I think it'd be a great opportunity to see them get out there and you know, get some, get some time. And you guys know me well enough to know I'm not going to do a score prediction, but <laughs> what I am hoping I for is, is exactly what you're saying, Seth. I want to see some of the guys who maybe haven't had an opportunity yet. Um, you know, not extended minutes, guys like Jerome Keesvetter, guys like Carl Sainty, guys like Ford Parker, um, you know, guys like Christian Nava, I, I want to see those guys get out there and show the world, or at least Albu- the Albuquerque greater metro area and in Las Vegas, um, you know, that they, they deserve to be out there too. And I want, I want them to make it hard on the guys who haven't gotten this, right? I want Christian Nava to go out there and make it hard on Nico Brett. I, I want that. I want Ford Parker to make it hard on Alex Tambakis. Um, and, and that's what I'm really excited about. Um, in addition to, like I said, I just I just love this tournament. I have since before United existed, um, you know, ever since we've been able to play in it. Obviously, this is the second time. It's 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 just it's different. It has like that almost that Christmassy feel to it. There's a, there's a magic to it, um, and I I love the Open Cup, and I want us to be in it for as long as possible. Yeah, I think all of us, you know, we've we've talked about it, you know, uh, over the past couple of years and talked about the the Open Cup and, you know, was it worth it going worth going that deep? You know, did we put too much emphasis on it? But, you know, I know that I said in 2019 on a different show that I felt like it was great for the club because it is it's exposure. I mean, you know, you go up and you beat two MLS clubs, you go up to Minnesota United and you play up there, you, you open the match with a goal. And then, you know, obviously it didn't turn out the, the way it wanted, the way we wanted it, but you know, it's a lot of exposure for the club. And like, you could see, you could see the club getting mentioned, you know, like ESPN and some other places that we n- wouldn't normally see the USL being, being talked about. And so I, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great to see. Um, I will. And you, know, you talked about, lower league clubs having more possibilities of hosting this time around, which I think is fantastic. Um, I think that's something that should have happened a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I look forward to it every year and I watched matches over the weekend and there was a lot of fun soccer in these lower league matches. Um, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to, to what comes next. Uh, and think about it. Let's just say everything goes great, right? Let's say United makes another run in the cup. They go to the quarterfinal, whatever it may be. You do it once and everybody's excited and everybody gets into it. You do it twice and all of a sudden people are like, what is up with New Mexico in the Open Cup? And it becomes a thing. And then nobody wants to play you um, and nobody wants to play in the Open Cup next year. Um, And like that, I would love for it to become a New Mexico United thing that we just wreak havoc in the Open Cup. That would be so much fun. You know, bring on the chaos that that causes. I, I would love that. Yeah, that absolutely would be great. Um, so yeah, next Tuesday night, the match is at 7.30. 7.30. thirty. 7.30 over at UNM. If you don't have your tickets, you can get them online now. Um, I don't know 
Do you know what? Do you know actual seated capacity for that match or? Um, I don't know the exact seated capacity. We've got it split up into four different sections. Um, so you've obviously got your center pitch. Um, then you've got kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, further out along the sideline. And then we've got a supporter section behind the north goal, as well as uh, some bleachers behind the south goal, um, all at different prices. And, yeah, you can get the tickets. Uh, if you go to the link just where you get your normal New Mexico United tickets, it'll take you to where the Lobos are selling those tickets. Yeah, so there you go. I think tickets range from $15 to $30. Uh, I was looking at that earlier. So go out and get your tickets if you haven't already. We'll be out there. At least, I, mean, I know I will for sure. Um, Jacob, you're going to be there? I will be there. All right, there we go. We'll have it's we'll a Tuesday night. Come on. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a Tuesday night, and I live two and a half hours away, but I will be there. <laughs> if you need, I got a couch you can crash on, Jacob. Yeah, I got to work in the morning, so I'll, I'll be all right. I, all it right. wouldn't be the first time. I made it to some Wednesday matches last year, too. So we got one tomorrow. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow, and uh, we'll get to that here in just a, in just a few minutes. Uh, you did mention a couple of names a, a few minutes ago, David. That did one that did get brought up over on Reddit. Sure. Uh, questions about um, early on, uh, Zach Prince seems to be rotate a little less than Troy did. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious through through three matches. Troy was uh, notorious for using all five subs in every single match. Um, and so we've kind of talked to Zach about it a little bit. And the question is, is this mainly stylistic or due to a couple of injuries? Will we see the likes of Raddy Ovuka and Jerome Kiesa better get the nod to start soon? Yeah, I would, I would love to see those guys get some time. As far as whether that's stylistic or tactical or, you know, due to injury, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I think obviously Raddy came in late. That's, that's a big thing to point out. And um, I think, those of you, uh, Seth, I know you, like me, are a transplant here. Um, it takes some getting used to to be at elevation like this. And, um, you know, I know these guys are pro athletes, and, and I am certainly not that. Uh, but it, it takes some time. And these guys are training every day. Um, and so I would imagine that these guys will, will certainly get their opportunities. Um, but, again, I think particularly with Raddy is the one that comes to mind for me. I mean, he came in super late. He came in the week of the first game. I mean, it was week of, of the, the, the uh, last preseason game. We saw him warming up there, uh, but he had literally gotten in 24 hours, less than 24 hours before that that match kicked off. So um, I think patience, uh, young Padawan. But I think I think that is going to be. I'm excited to see those guys when they do get their opportunities. Yeah, Rad is a guy that you know, obviously super hyped up. Jerome, you know, looking for a bit of a rebound season. Uh, but I mean, there's just so much talent top to bottom on this roster that you know, I know we're all anxious to see these guys get in. It's like, well, why aren't they in there? Why isn't so and so in there? You know, and, and I know it's hard. You know, you know, especially you know, dealing with the injuries we've had so far, and then you know, looking at the guys that are the names that we recognize. Yeah. Um, you know, waiting for them to get their opportunities. Well, and then the other thing, and, and you and I talked about this the other day, Seth and Jacob, um, the other day at that preseason match. So it's like a month ago now. Um, but we talked about, I, I have, and we have no idea, no idea what the level of the Congolese league is compared to the USL championship. I have no clue. I just, I don't know. Um, Raddy was for all intents and purposes, probably the best left back in that league. How does it compare to the USL championship? We don't know yet. Um, and, you know, when Raddy is ready to go, when he's ready to go, um, you know, hopefully we'll get a little bit of a taste of, of maybe that comparison. We can see what he's able to do in the USL championship and see how that compares to, to the Congolese league. Um, I'm excited to see, obviously just to see him play, but also to make that comparison because it's a league where I'm not aware of any other players in the USL championship that have come from that league. 
I, I, I don't know of any. It's not a league that really has been explored by uh, USL championship teams. And, and you can credit Itamar Kanan for finding Ratty, um, for bringing him in. And Itamar, for those who don't know, is our director of player personnel. We brought him in um, just towards the end of last season. Um, and, and his job, among other things, is to find players for New Mexico United. And sometimes in places where a lot of teams aren't looking. He was an agent before. He's Kalen Ryden's agent, Christian Nava's agent, a few other of our players actually. Um their agents as well, but he found Ratty um, in the Congolese league and, and I'm excited to see what he can do, but I don't know if anybody other than Itamar <laughs> really has an idea other than those who have seen him in training. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see him either. We saw, I mean, he was the best kept secret uh, of the off season and um, we were able to look at the best kept secret until he wasn't right. Yeah, yeah, we were we were able to look him up a little earlier than than some of the other players and and see some highlights of stuff and and watch him in some World Cup qualifying actually and and uh, he he looks to be the real deal and like you said I I just can't wait to see how he stacks up against USL competition and and from what I've seen I have have higher hopes than than I should probably but I I think he's going to come in and and at right now I kind of count him as an injury. Um to that back line as well, because we're just so shorthanded back there. I would love, I would love for him to, to feel or Zach to feel comfortable enough to play him maybe even Wednesday. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but with those injuries um, that we've had stack up back there, we, we could use another body out there that can give us uh, some time at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the worst thing that you can do, and this is often used uh, to justify kind of loan spells, um, we've seen this in the Premier League, and and I'm going to reference Arsenal here, Jacob. So you might want to, you know, turn away or something like that. But a, a guy like William Saliba, he took his headphones off. Uh, so William Saliba uh, is this center back that Arsenal uh, bought from Marseille, uh, Mar- Marseille, excuse me, um, in in Ligue 1, France, and he's a really great center back there. He's only a kid; he's like 19, I think. Um, and they bought him for a decent fee, uh, and they brought him in and. They were going back and forth on whether or not they should play him. And Mikel Arteta, the manager at Arsenal, ultimately decided to, to lend him out. And when asked why, he's like, this really talented player, why did you lend this guy out? He's like, the worst thing that I could possibly do for a young player's development is to immediately just throw him into the fire. Um, and in that situation, it could just erode his confidence. I mean, he, could, he may never recover if things don't go well. So they loan him out. He's doing an excellent job on loan, and they're going to bring him back. I kind of see this situation, This it's it's almost like a mini loan for Raddy, right? So Raddy's coming into this new league, and if we were to just throw him into you know, the fire against some of these clubs, I mean, it might not have gone well right off the bat. So he's gotten the opportunity to get in shape, to start to understand this league, to start to understand how it operates, how teams operate within the league. I really think that learning experience will be crucial for his development um, and getting to understand the league and being ready to go when, when Zach's ready to put him in there. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I just not being in the locker room and around him. I just whenever he's ready, I'm all for him to 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 get some minutes. And I yeah, I would hope that it would be sooner rather than later with those injuries. But if not, then you know Seymour, uh, Swahi, and and Tete have looked fantastic out there. I didn't the agree with the club 
I'm not supposed to ever say this, but I, I didn't agree with the club uh, in uh, the man of the match on on this past Saturday. I thought Harry and Bruce were both great. It was Rosh for me. Rosh was played out of his shoes. Oh my gosh! Like the clearances, the blocks, just the the kind of calmness to turn and distribute under pressure. I thought it was maybe the best Rashid's ever played for us, and he's had some really great matches. Yeah, I know. I had Rosh in, in my post match uh, as my man of match. Like you said, you look at the stats, you can just watch him play out there on Saturday. And he had a tremendous match against arguably one, you, know, you could say maybe not 100%, 100% certainty, but one of the best clubs in the USL. Obviously, the defending champs came in. Yep. You know, we end up pulling out a, a 1 1 draw against them. We played well for, I'd say, 99% of that match. And, you know, Rosh was definitely one of the, one of the guys that stood out um on saturday yeah i thought again just the for me the biggest thing was the calmness under pressure right especially as you mentioned you know we have some injuries along that back line so we are relying on these guys to be strong to go the full 90 um and to just kind of be mentally fit enough to not freak out you know when especially you know late in that match when you're getting kind of bombarded for the last 10 minutes these guys are calm under pressure. They distribute. I thought Will had a great match defensively. I thought that uh, Rashid, again, in my opinion, was was just the man of the match, mostly for his calmness under pressure. I thought he was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I was like, you know, we don't want to take anything away from the performances of, of Harry and, and Brucey. No, no, and the other no, guys. They, were I mean, they played fantastic. Harry had a great goal, you know, as we all and, know. And, and Brucey with uh, his second assist on the yeah. season, and Harry with his second goal. I mean, yeah, no, they, they look great. That's no slight, to, no intended slight for for Harry or or Brucey or anybody else. I just thought Rashid played really, really well. I I feel like a lot of the time, man of the match is an offensive award, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame when you have performances like Rowdy's or or not Rowdy's, sorry, Rashid's or um, Austin a couple times last year. Especially, you look at their performances and you go, "Wow, I've, I've it for a soccer novice." like myself, who's really only been into soccer since United became a thing for their performances to stand out for me, you know, they played well and you know that it was an impressive performance. So uh, I I feel like unless it's a a shutout and your defender scores, um, it's, it's hard for a man of the match to be a defender. Yeah. Man of the match and MVP awards are made for goal scorers and goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. You're hundred percent right. I agree with you, Jacob. I think, um, you know, there've been, we've had some incredible defensive performances in the history of our club. You know, Rashid has made some of them. Kalen Ryden has made some of them. Austin Yearwood has made some of them, you know, uh, Ethan Sampson. I remember a few really great performances in year one from him. I Throwback. mean, yeah, I, I hope Ethan's doing well. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I always want to give a little bit more love to those defensive guys because I don't think they get enough of it. And it's funny, there's uh, on the academy. Um, so the academy had their opener um, against El Paso um, on the week that the first team played El Paso weekend. And I went to that match, um, did the live tweeting for that. It was a lot of fun. Um, and they won uh, pretty handily. And so after the match, we got a couple of our uh, club photographers, Isaiah Watts, I think you know, guys know him, mm-hmm. uh, was inter- we interviewed a few of the players and we interviewed two of the goal scorers and Paolo Vela, who's the center back and the captain for the academy team, he said, what, the defender's getting a love? <laughs> he's, he's got a point. He's got a point there. Yeah. Going back to Saturday, you know, I was, I just mentioned, you know, Orange County, the defending champions, they came in and 
they're not the same club they were last year, obviously. You know, they are trying to replace 20 goals from uh, Ronaldo Damas leaving, from Bees obviously coming back to us. You know, looking at that match, how would you grade the club as a whole compared to how Orange County is playing right now? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really fair question. I think I think there's a couple really important things to remember going into those matches. And you mentioned kind of like the requirement to replace goals in that, right? So uh, Ugo Okoli had scored twice in the match prior um, to get them essentially the draw that they needed. That both of those goals were late. And Okoli's not a starter for them. So they're getting goals from off the bench in order to kind of get by. So they they aren't, as you said, the club that they they needed. Ronaldo Damas uh, just transferred to Sweden two weeks or a week prior to that. Um, and then uh, who was it that had just gotten called up uh, to the, the men's national team? It was Kobe Henry. That was it. Kobe Henry just gotten called up to the U20 men's national team. So, you know, they're missing a lot of their top players. Um, with that said, they are the reigning champs. Uh, they are a very talented team. Uh, they've got one, in my opinion, one of the better coaches in the USL championship. Um, and so it took a lot, in my opinion, for it takes a lot in order to get a point out of that, even at home. Um, so I was impressed. Um, obviously, letting up a goal and stoppage is never a good thing, never a fun thing. And it's something that we've seen a couple times happen to this club, uh, late goals or goals right after we score. Um, so that's kind of a, a mental toughness thing. And, and you, Seth, you were there, I think, in the post-match press conference um, where Zach Prince said, what we learned tonight is we have to go up 2-0. I mean, there's, there's no excuse, right? We can't sit back and hope to grind it out 1-0. We need to be more aggressive. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, from him on that. But um, I think it's something that fans have have said for a long time, right? We need to continue to kind of put our foot on the gas. And we need to get to that 2-0 because if you score a second in the 75th, 80th, whatever minute it is, it's a heck of a lot harder to come back. I mean, it's it's basic math, but it's also momentum. Um, and, and it's absolutely crucial. Yeah, I, I blame myself a little bit there. I I jumped the gun after the second match and got really excited because we had we had done two things that we had had a hard time doing in the previous last couple of years at least which was holding on to a lead a late lead specifically against El Paso and and going for it even though we were up like me and Earl were were on the the outfield touchline um in the first match against Vegas and 90th minute we're still high with that high press and Nico was still bumming and we were like whoa okay this is new and I got a little excited. And then I wrote an article about how it felt different. And I then, read that article, yeah. And then we do the exact same thing that I had just said we hadn't done yet. And uh, so I'll, I'll take a little bit of a, of a curse curse there. And, and hopefully that it was only a one, one, one match thing and we can move on from it. But So I, I read that article um, and I agreed with you on some of it. And I disagreed with part of it, though. So, yes, we gave up that goal late, and and I see Aaron Reeder in the chat here had a little PTSD when they scored in stoppage. I, I totally hear that. I totally get where you're coming from, um, 100%. It was different, though. We were pressed. It was. And in and, and years past, we haven't always pressed high when we have that goal lead. We were pressing. We just got caught. We got caught twice. Um, and, you know, 
in the, at the end of that game, I mean, right before we let up that that game tying goal, Alex Tambach has made a terrific save. That's what mm-hmm. led to the corner kick, right? Mm-hmm. So we're getting pressured there. It's in in that situation coming off of a set piece. That's not necessarily because you're sitting back. That's right. because your goalkeeper made an incredible save. It went out for a corner. You can't press high on a set piece, right? It's just you, right. if, if they got a corner, you got to be there to defend it. Um, so I I wouldn't say that it's the same, but I absolutely hear where you're coming from as far as like, oh man, here we go again. Well, it's not the same though. I don't I don't think it was the same necessarily. I just felt like karma was saying, hey, you <laughs> need to slow your slow your roll. Yeah. <laughs> just because it's two matches doesn't mean I can't pull some strings and and make you feel bad again and that's exactly what happened but i thought we played a fantastic match and and i it was a pretty even match if you look at it uh in a lot of ways and and a draw is probably a a fair result there it just coming in stoppage time like a couple of goals from last year yeah just it kind of stings a little bit and and you got to shake it off and and like zach said you got to attack a little more and and get that second goal and and then, then that goal in stoppage time doesn't matter yeah, as much anyways. It's 100% right. And the, the other thing to remember is we are very much, as a club, a work in progress, right? Yeah. Nine new players, a new head coach, an entirely new technical staff. Zach's the only one that's still there, and he moved positions. So to get off to a good start as we have is great, but it's I think it's important to realize that there are going to be roadblocks. Uh, there are going to be issues. We're not going unbeaten for the whole season. I would love it. That'd be great. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we can be excited. We can be thrilled at how they've played so far. And overall, it's been very good. But we haven't won anything yet. We haven't earned anything yet. Um, and, and Zach will be the first to tell you we got a long way to go before we are where we want to be. Yeah, going back over to Reddit, there's another question here. Again, it's very early on. We've got you know three matches under our belts. Um, question here: Are we finding out just how much we missed Harry Schwartz and Sam Hamilton from last season? I love that question. Um, yeah, I mean, not just because they were injured, um, which which stunk obviously, but I love love. I've been hoping for this for so long. Sam Hamilton finally getting to play in his position. I mean, he's he was great on the back line. That man is a defensive midfielder, and he is damn good at it. Um, and so the opportunity for him to play in that role, for us to have the depth that despite the injuries that we've had on the back line, that he can still play in that role. We are a much better team when Sam plays in that position, in my opinion. Again, he does a great job when he needs to play on the back line, but when he can play as a defensive midfielder, we are just better for it. And when you can pair him alongside a Justin Portillo, that's that's fun. That is really fun because Sam will intercept balls and distribute well. And then he finds Justin, who has, in my opinion, the best vision in the USL championship. He has the ability to hit players on a dime, to find exactly where they are, to lead them well. Um, he is second in the league in key passes and chances created right now. Um, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And Harry... Um, the tenacity that he has. I mean, you guys have seen his goal celebrations. He's a different, he's an animal when he's on the pitch. And when you talk to him off the pitch, he is the calmest, most just nice guy. And then, you know, he turns into just a different person on the pitch. Um, It was funny the other day, um, Lucas Cash uh, sent myself and Harry a group text. um, And we were talking about our podcast. We're going to get that rolling sometime here in the next few weeks. Um, 
what the yeah, humble break um, he said uh he said he, he sent the video of harry kind of celebrating like a madman he said this is the kind of tenacity that i want when harry comes on the podcast and uh, harry said i don't know who that guy is but he's only in between those lines uh, that man gives everything he has for the club uh and he is the nicest human being and i love watching him i love watching him and i don't think he plays in the way he plays, I don't think he's trying to score goals. The fact that he's got two through three games is awesome. Um, but I think it's kind of like a cherry on top. He's playing to make tackles and find teammates. Um, and it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I brought yeah. up that question specifically because I wanted to get Earl's input on this as well. <laughs> you know, we all know that Earl has not been fond of our midfield uh, the past couple seasons, particularly with the play of a, of a former player, Juan Pablo Guzman. Uh, so Earl, I mean, what do you what do you feel about this? Do you feel like the return of Sam Hamilton and Harry Swartz has just has drastically improved our, our midfield play? <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, so obviously, everyone here knows I was not the hugest fan or any kind of fan of what was going on in midfield p- the past three seasons. Um, so to be able to see us actually obviously still press in the 90th minute, but also not give up two or three goals per game. Um, that speaks just volumes for what the midfield was or is not was. Yeah. This has been a podcast that I I've, I've talked to Juan Pablo Guzman several times. Uh, super nice guy. He was infuriating to watch on the pitch sometimes. And I've had conversations with with soccer purists and they they explained to me what he does and I, I can see some of that. But he also, especially last year, just made a lot of boneheaded mistakes, I thought, and and really kind of killed momentum a lot of times. So to see the improvement that we've had there and the 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 way it's kind of led our attack to be seemingly a little more potent has been a breath of fresh air this year. I think I think that one uh, was a good player that was asked to do a lot. He he really, I mean, he was relied upon to be that pivot um, in the mm-hmm. midfield. You know, he's the one who, he's got to make tackles, but very quickly needs to find outlets. He's the one who needs to take the ball from the right side, get past a, an attacker, and move over to the left side. He was asked to do a ton. Um, and, and I did like the way he moved the ball. I know, Earl, we, we don't have to agree. That's okay. Um, but I, I did like what, what Juan did for, for the club. And I think, yeah, of course, of course he made mistakes. Every, every player makes mistakes. Um, but I get, I think Juan was asked to do a lot, but to focus on the positive, um, and, and what Aaron reader said there in chat, um, Portillo has been, in my opinion, a revelation for this club. Um, I know he's somebody that uh, a lot of fans, and I think a lot of people in the club have watched for a long time and thought, man, he would be great here. Um, and I think what we're doing really fits his skill set. We're giving him the space to operate um, and find open passes, and it's it's so much fun. It's so, so much fun. I, I love what Justin Portillo has been able to do for this club through only three matches. Yeah, I, I think that that um, and we, we actually even had a post. I had a post about him on, on the Somos Moss page about how, how good he's been so far for us. And, and um, do, do you think that you've seen these players a little bit more, especially a player like Carl Santee. Does he feel more of Portillo's role or Hamilton's role in that midfield? 
Uh, I don't think either, actually. Uh, I think he plays a little further forward. Um, you know, I think kind of if, if we're talking about roles, I think it's more similar to a Chris Weehan um, in that I think he's going to hang around the top of the box, maybe some late runs in. Um, we saw in preseason he's got a quick foot. Uh, you know, the goal he scored in preseason uh, almost felt a little bit out of nowhere uh, and accurate and powerful. Um, and again, he's just a kid. And you would never know it when you watch him play. Like if you yeah. just had um, oh, like polygons, right? You couldn't see faces. You couldn't, you didn't know who these players were. You would not think that he's just a kid in the way that he plays um, in his, in his confidence. Uh, I'm excited to see him get some time. He played for Haiti the other night, made his senior team uh, debut for, for Haiti, which is really, really awesome. And we're, we're super proud of that. Um, I'm excited to see what he's going to be. Um, and whether that's this year, whether that's next year, whether that's in the next match, um, I don't know, obviously. Uh, but I think he's being nurtured, um, and given the opportunity to really grow. And I think the sky's the limit for that kid. Yeah. We, we talked about him, me, you and Seth talked about him at that preseason match, uh, afterwards and, and we're all really high on him. And I know you and, and other members of the, the club are, are pretty high on him and I can't wait to watch him and, there's the depth on this team is just kind of ridiculous when you when you look at the potential of some of these players like with ratty and and sainty we don't really know exactly what they're going to be at at this usl championship level but the idea of them um is, is really high in a lot of people's mind including myself and then you throw that along proven proven players like sheed and yearwood when he comes back and right in and Suggs and the list goes on and on swahi and and what he's done to to really solidify that back line through all these injuries as well i mean the, there's just so much potential on this club and and i can't wait to see what it does the rest of the year but specifically against oakland and see if we get a little bit of club rotation there or or how how that plays out well, and I think it's been really cool. Guys like Nico Brett and Justin Portillo come to mind when you think of like, those are guys who coming into the season, we expected them to really perform, right? We were pretty confident we were getting proven commodities. Obviously, Nico Brett's sixth all time in USL championship scoring. Justin Portillo has been a fantastic distributor at the USL championship and MLS levels. We felt really confident about what we we're getting there. Maybe somebody who I, don't, I wouldn't say he was a question mark, but I think somebody who me personally, I didn't, I wasn't aware of his skill set um, or didn't necessarily know what to expect with him, but he's been a pleasant surprise has been Tabata Taka Preston. I mean, he has been fantastic. You could make the argument. He, he may be our best player so far this season. I mean, he's obviously scored one goal, probably could have had three additional goals. Um, he gets himself in a dangerous position. He's wicked fast. Um, and he finds space between lines. The way that he links up with Nico is so much fun to watch. Uh, they have this play. I don't know if I don't know if you guys have noticed it. I've noticed it four times. They've done it four times already, and it's obviously something they work on in training, where Portillo gets the ball, Preston um, is running off of the right side, and Nico is kind of directly in front of. Uh, Portillo. Portillo plays a straight ball right to Nico. Nico outside of foot flicks it on and Preston's already running on it before a defender notices. It's happened four times. Preston scored off of it once and he almost scored off of it a couple other times. It is, he's so fast that by the time opponents notice this, he's gone. Um, it's so much fun to watch and I, I've been really, really excited and really, really um, just 
I don't know, pleasantly surprised, I guess, even though maybe I shouldn't have been by the by the really positive play that that Preston's had. Yeah, and I I there's just so much going on that I forgot to mention him, but you you're right. You're absolutely right. He has been a revelation up top him and Nico both uh just kind of completely opposite of what we have had up there in the last year or so uh with the speed that they have and and the way that they just seem to be working off each other. He the the one play, the the same play that you're talking about, the one against uh, Lights where Ataka just put it just wide was, I believe, the first time we had seen that play. And um, it it definitely was something that seemed like they had been working on. In fact, me and Earl had talked to Itamar um, at halftime, I believe, and he mentioned that play and mentioned that that they were trying to exploit some, some backline some things that they saw in the back line with Vegas with it. And, and then it, it, it hasn't gone away because it's so effective because attack is so fast and they, it, it just works so well when, when teams aren't expecting it. So I didn't mean to leave him off and I appreciate you. You're very good at that, by the way, I've noticed in, in the press conferences and, and other situations where if you feel like somebody's getting overlooked, you'll be like, Hey, what about this guy that, Maybe these dumb reporters aren't asking about, him, but but uh, I know he's playing well. Can you talk about that real quick? And and I appreciate when you do that. No, oh, thank you. That's that's kind of you to say. I, I it, it's easy to do uh, when you have this level of talent, right? It's it, we're really we're really fortunate to have this. Uh, and again, it's really really fun to watch. Um, and every time you talk about somebody, you're leaving somebody else out. Sure. Um, you know, and we could talk about all the goal scoring and how awesome that is. And then we haven't talked about Alex Tambakis for more than 10 seconds. Right. And he's been phenomenal. Uh, so there's only so much time in the day. Uh, there are, are many more episodes and there'll be plenty of opportunities to talk about all these guys. But it's it's been fun to watch. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of there's only so much time in the day. Let's move right on. We do have a match tomorrow night. Oakland Roots coming to town, uh, final home league match uh, for quite a while. Um, looking at the way the two seasons have gone, obviously the Oakland season has not started the way that they wanted to. United is unbeaten through three matches. Um, you know, I look at this and I think this is another great opportunity for us to see what Zach Prince's style or what, you know, what his game plan is going to be, you know, we spent time talking to him after the first couple of matches where United kind of sat back a little bit, you know, gave up possession. And then, you know, we saw us control possession more against orange County. Now Oakland comes in their team that likes to hold possession. They like to get forward. And, you know, they lost last week on a 90th minute goal against Monterey Bay. Um, You know, looking at them, David, what are your, what are your thoughts heading into this match? um, As far as what do you think, Oakland's going to want to do against us. Yeah, I, I would say first and foremost, uh, if we, and I don't, we wouldn't, but if we would come into this match underestimating them, we'd be in trouble. Um, yes, they haven't claimed a point in their first three matches. Yes, they've given up a late goal similar to the one that we gave up against Monterey Bay. They are third in the league in passing accuracy and passes overall. They do like to hold the ball. It's, it's funny. They, they're only at a 52% possession rate on the season, but that factors in the fact that Monterey outpossessed them two to one. So prior to that, I mean, they were, were dominant in possession. Um, again, they've only played three matches. Um, they passed the ball really well. They just haven't had that final touch yet. And so if they can get that final touch, if they're able to, to just 
put the ball on frame. They're an incredibly dangerous team. They haven't been able to score goals at the clip that they'd like to, but they possess the ball really well. They build up play really well and they frustrate teams really well. Um, so if they nick a goal early, that could spell trouble. Um, so I think it'll be crucial for United to try and, and, and keep some possession early, make them uncomfortable. Don't allow them to establish their kind of possession based game plan. Um, and I think that'll be really crucial in order for United to, to get a win on, on tomorrow night. Wow. We're 24 hours out less than. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, Oakland's a team. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a guy that I've kind of been watching their first couple of matches. Um, Magnus Carlson, obviously on loan from Venezia from Serie A, obviously a guy that's super talented. If you look back through his history, like he was scouted by Ajax. He's played you know, for some pretty good clubs, even on loan. Um, you know, so and he scored twice uh, last week against Monterey Bay. So, and of course, one was a pen. Um, but you know, he's a guy, and they've got he's got the ability to score. It's just hard to see you know what isn't quite clicking for them just yet. But I agree with you. I, I think that if you over if you underestimate them, they're going to come in and they could they could steal the three points. And I've always been a huge fan of Memo Diaz too. He's not a goal scorer by any means, but we talk about making sure those defensive guys get some get some love. He's he tip, he's kind of in that Sam Hamilton role where he can play on the back line. He can play as a def- defensive midfielder. I've always liked him. I've always rated him. Um, and he's a guy who distributes really well as well. Um, I think it'll be crucial for a guy like Chris Weehan to be annoying him, pestering him, not allowing him to settle in um, in order for us to do that as well. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Carlson, um, you know, he's a guy who I think he's their most dangerous player right now. They don't have a ton of goals necessarily in them. As I mentioned, they like to possess the ball, um, and, and get up and it's essentially capitalize on the opportunities, the few ones that they create. Um, but I think they're going to build from the back, um, and then try and outlift Carlson. Um, those are, in my opinion, Diaz and Carlson are their two best players. And, um, so that's right up the middle. Those are those are two guys right up the spine. It'll be crucial for us defensively to focus on the middle. I don't think we're going to see a ton of wide play from Oakland in this match. Um, so I think it'll be really important to just focus on defensive, uh, kind of the defensive spine of the pitch. Earl, what have you seen from United so far that you think is going to work well uh, in this match tomorrow night? <clears throat> I think just their attack i mean just the fact that we keep pressing um if we don't see the back passes like we saw saturday night which i'm not a huge fan of back passes and playing out the backfield um so if we don't see that and we see a continuous attack like we did week one and into week two um i think that'll help us out just help us out a whole bunch um just avoiding the Avoiding the slowing down of play and keeping Oakland on their feet and keeping them on their heels and constantly backpedaling, trying to figure out what's going on um, is what I think would be the best route to any kind of success tomorrow night. Earl, I think you hit on a really good point there. I think Oakland really does want to slow the game down. That, that That's how they play. Um, again, possession, soccer, lots of passes, lots of possession in their own zone and then to kind of spring forward when, when they see the opportunity there. So I agree with you. I think the opportunities for United to play fast, um, not necessarily countering, but again, uh, we're going to be a faster team than they are just physically uh, tomorrow. So if we see the game slow down, that's probably not in United's favor. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great point. 
Earl, looking at the system that Zach has has run so far this year, we see a lot. Of, we've seen basically just three at the back every single match. Um, obviously, with the injuries, we've seen some guys rotate in and out. Do you feel like this three at the back is something that we're going to continue to see, or do you think Zach kind of plays plays around with it a little bit? You asked me that. You cut out. Yeah, yeah, that was for you. Uh, yeah, I think we continue to see the back three. Um, it hasn't done us harm yet. Um, I mean, obviously, when teams are scoring three or four goals on us, we might look at something different. But the fact that teams have only scored a total of two goals on us um, with only back with only three back and a substituted three back at that because we're beat up back there. Um, I think we stay at the back three because we have the depth for that. So. Well, the other thing you got to remember with that is when we play a back three, it allows us to play the wings in the way we want to, right? It allows you to have Harry Swartz and Daniel Bruce on either side. Or if Josh Suggs is healthy, it allows you to have Suggsy and one of those guys um, on the other side. It allows us to attack in the way we want to. Um, And I mentioned Oakland likes to be kind of more narrow. We like to play wide. We like to bomb down the wings. We like Josh Suggs going down the left wing and firing in across. We like Harry Swartz doing the same on the right or, or Daniel Bruce or vice versa. Um, so I think playing with that back three defensively allows us to have the shape where we can almost mighty ducks flying V, uh, go up the side, the, the wings there and, and then bomb crosses in. Uh, speaking of Josh Suggs, uh, there was another thread over on this, on the subreddit. Uh, obviously, you know, Nico and uh, Preston came out of the match Saturday night. Uh, normally you would get some, you send out some match notes the, the day prior, um, can you give us any sort of update on the injury situation uh, for the guys that are out? And was there any concern over Nico and uh, Preston from Saturday? I'm looking at the match notes right now. I thought I sent them to you. Let me, okay. I'll send, I'll, <laughs> I'm going to email them to you as I answer this question. Um, but uh, as far as injury, uh, the only guys listed on the injury report uh, this week are Yerzy and Amando. Um, so whatever that means for, for coach, I assume that means that, Players are available for selection, so that would be – who did we not have last week? We didn't have Kalen. We didn't have Suggsy, obviously Amando uh, and Yearsy. Um, So uh, I would imagine that um, – I mean, that Kalen and Suggsy would be available for selection tomorrow, which would be great. Would l- absolutely love to see that. Um, and just from talking to Yearsy, his injury and, and what Zach has told us in the press conference does not seem to be long-term. Um, and he's working his way back and, and should be back here pretty soon from what, from what Zach's been able to describe to us. So um, hopefully it'll just be just Amondo here in a little bit. And hopefully his rehab's going well from what, everything I've seen. I've seen him out of training a few times. He's jogging, which is great considering it wasn't that long ago that he completely blew out his ACL. Um, I know he is, I've talked to him. He is itching to get back on the field. He want he misses it so much. And that's what you want, right? You want the guys to want to be out there. Um, but you also don't want him to to rush it back. Uh, so we'd love to see those guys healthy again here pretty soon. Yeah, you've mentioned, uh, and Zach has done it too, mentioned that you know, Mondo's there during training. He's doing mental reps on the side. You know, he's he's still being active with what he can do uh, within the confines of his rehab and making sure that you know the knee is strong enough to come back. Um, we saw Dev out at the lab Saturday night. Do you have any updates on Dev? I love seeing him out there. It was the first time I'd seen him at a match this season. I don't know if he'd been at other ones and I just hadn't seen him. Uh, and then he, I saw him, uh, we had the press conference on Thursday and he was out um, at training. He's not physically training himself. He's not allowed to, but he was out there with the club and that felt really great to see. Um, I, I love to see him out there. 
Um, I don't know what that means for him. I don't, as far as I know, I don't think anything has changed uh, with regard to uh, him coming back, not coming back, anything like that. As far as I know, he's uh, still got to figure out some things medically. Um, but it was, it just felt right to see him out there at the training ground, you know? And again, the first time I've seen him out there since last season, uh, when obviously he went out with, uh, with, with the heart clots. Um, but it just, it just feels right to see Devin Sandoval with the shield on him and, and out there with his teammates. Was, is he under contract for this year or, or, uh, was no, I don't believe, I don't believe he's currently under contract. Um, from everything I've, I've been able to, to, gather from the technical staff is they're waiting just to see what happens. And we've talked about this at, at length. And I think the the biggest thing, and I don't think there's anybody who disagree with this. We just need to make sure he's healthy for right. him first because mm. there's so many more thing, things that are more important than him playing soccer, like him being yeah. a husband and dad. Um, and so would I love to see Devin Sandoval banging in goals of the lab? I would pay good money to see that. Uh, but I, it's it's worth so much more just to make sure he's a healthy human being and, and can live a healthy life. Amen. Uh, I can't remember if it was last year or this year. This is a little bit off of topic from where we're at, but Brucey picked up uh, one of his coaching licenses. Um, is he doing anything with that, or do you know if he's going to be doing anything in the, in the near future? Yeah, yeah. So Brucey is uh, one of two uh, apprentice coaches for the academy, uh, so that would be him and Mike Azira. Uh, Cody Mizell was one as well before he left off to New York. Um, and so, yeah, Brucey, I got, I believe, I may be wrong in this, I believe he got his C license, um, which is obviously the third highest, uh, fourth highest, not including pro. Um, and so he he's talked about this in the past publicly where uh, he could see once, you know, long time down the road, he's only 26. Once he is done playing soccer, I think, I think he'd be a brilliant mind for coaching it as well. I mean, we've been, it's pretty cool to see the guys that have come from United um, and are working their way into coaching trees. Guys like obviously David Estrada is the big one that comes to mind. Um, but, you know, Mike Azira, Daniel Bruce, I think Devin Sandoval could make a really great coach. He's helping out with the Academy a lot right now as well. Um, that's really cool to see because I think that's, I frankly, I think that's a compliment to the coaches that we've had here in Troy Lassane and Zach Prince, obviously the rest of the coaching staff as well, that players see that and think, man, this is an important role. This is something that's helped me. This is a way that I could continue my life and my career post-playing. Um, I would love to, I mean, I don't know, 10 years from now, Devin Sandoval, Daniel Bruce, David Estrada are your coaching staff for New Mexico United. I mean, how cool would that be? That would be, that would be amazing. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think Daniel Bruce has a, has a future in coaching when he, when he decides he wants to hang him up, which I think he could have another – I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, if he wanted to. Random, random Brucey story. That's it's, it's definitely going to be a cool story, bro moment, but uh, I wasn't on the field or in the press box for the game. My wife actually went and we sat in the stands and, and sat with some friends and, and had a guy at halftime when I was up on the top of the steps, fist bumped me, didn't know who he was. Um, and then after the, right after the game ended, I stand up, guy taps me on the shoulder. And he goes, hey, can I get a picture? And I'm like, okay. And he's like, you're Daniel Bruce's brother, right? I was like, no, no, I'm not actually. Well, he's like, can you can you pretend to be Daniel Bruce's brother? I was like, sure, man, whatever. <laughs> he takes the picture. And, and I, I think what it was is, is the headband and the hair. Because I had the headband in. and uh, But I'm like a foot taller than Bruce. 
like legit a foot taller than Bruce. And so I don't, he was definitely a, a little inebriated, but, but it made me laugh. And, and I was like, okay, maybe I can be Daniel Bruce's brother for the day. That'd be fun. You're in good company, man. Daniel Bruce is uh, not only an incredible soccer player, but a great human. Uh, mm. So uh, yeah, I mean, your childhood must've been really great. Right. <laughs> right there, yeah. Yeah. I love the uh, I love the poster you've got back there behind you as well. The poster series has been so much fun. I love I love I love I that. I love the I love let's it. I love not, the idea. Let's not talk about it. Let's not I know. I'm, it. I'm sorry, Earl. I'm sorry. I didn't get his. I didn't get this one for him. I'll get you one, Earl. Haha. There we go. Um, the problem that I have with it is that I get it, and then I'm like, okay, now I have to rearrange my whole wall behind me to to display them, and so. I, I did. This well, you one only you got you got what fifteen more. So yeah, exactly. So yeah. so it'll be it'll just be posters at one point at the end of the year. But Josh um, Lane is doing that with his entire office at work. He's just going to do posters along the entire nice. the entire nice. wall of the office. And I got to figure out what I'm going to do with them. I may I may frame them. I don't know. But again, how do you display seventeen posters? Wow. And those are not small. Those are big no posters. <laughs> no, they aren't. And then I have a house with three kids under the age of five or five is my oldest. So I, I don't have a lot of, a lot of room where I'm worried that they won't break glass. So yeah, I would like to get a wife frame. to have new wallpaper in the bedroom. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> I, I would like to, I would like to frame them. Like David said, I think that would be a cool way to display them and, and probably the best way to display them so they don't get messed up or anything. But I'm like, okay, well the frame adds another two inches to an already yeah. giant poster. Well, I, I think know. I think five years from now, people are going to look back at those things and be like, man, like, I really wish I got those. Those are so cool. And that's I don't know if we're planning on I don't know if we've even talked about it. Are we planning if we're planning on continuing that series beyond this season? So then, you know, five years from now, do we have like 70 posters? Like, I, would I don't know. What that looks like. I would need um, one house, one house yeah. specifically for United memorabilia with posters and scarves and flags and jerseys and. Yeah, we're yeah, getting, we're getting, I think we're getting there as it is already with with all the gear that we've got. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, this it is a lot. This is only maybe half of what I have. Yeah, but I don't have a whole room. I just have this tiny little corner of my bedroom that I can do it in. So I, until we get a bigger place, which hopefully is soon, uh, I'm limited to what I can put up. But it's fun. It's. I mean, we were all there year one. And we all collected things starting in year one, aside from maybe Seth, because he was professional. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, I appreciate that, Aaron. So me and Aaron are going to buy a house uh, and just fill it up with United gear and and get a big, giant projector to watch all the away games on. That's that's what we'll do. Sound good, Aaron? There you go. That sounds like a plan. Um, and that actually brings up a question I, I can ask here in a little bit. But to close out our, our preview of tomorrow night's match against Oakland Roots, knowing the injury report, looking at who we have available, Earl, what do you think our lineup's going to look like tomorrow night? Um, I hate when you ask this question because God only knows. <laughs> um, so we'll have definitely 11 people on the pitch. Yes. Um, we'll have at least, at least start. one goalkeeper. Yeah, we'll yeah, have at least one goalkeeper. Um, other than that, I don't know. Can you play with two goalkeepers? <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> guess you could throw someone out there. Like, you don't, have I, to. I don't think they can use their hands, but 
they could no. they could stand by the goal, I guess. Well, you can put it. You can put any of your defenders in goal. You know, like in a red card situation, like so you why can put eleven. You can put eleven players in the goal line if you want. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't, but you could. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. Aaron asks, do you shake up the back three? I don't know who we can shake up the back three with there at the moment. Uh, I mean, if Ryden's back, then then Ryden is is my center back, uh, point blank. I mean, Seymour has done a fantastic job uh, filling in there, but but uh, Ryden was, was signed to this team uh, to bring championship pedigree and a, and a just absolute stud back there, and he has been for three seasons for us now, uh, multiple seasons in this league. And, and you, he doesn't lose his spot because of injury. And so I, well, I would make that move. And then after that, here's I probably know. the most controversial take of the entire night. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah, I know. The hot uh, takes when, back. When when says, him real quick. I, I want to, but I don't want to, <laughs> I want to know what it is. I'll I'll have, I figure how I'll, to unmute myself too. So I'll hover right over the mute. So if it gets too crazy, we can shut it down real quick. So I would actually like to see the pass back three that we just saw on Saturday. On what was it, Saturday? I yeah. slept since then. Um, just to give the injured ones. So obviously, like Kaylin, who has been injured a couple weeks now, okay. and okay. and Joshi, um, give I him some hate, more. I don't hate this take. I'm okay with it. And give them some more time to heal up and actually get fully, fully uninjured for the Open Cup. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. And I think that, frankly, the back three that played on Saturday have earned that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they, they played incredibly well. Like I said, I thought Rashid was the man of the match. I thought Will played really well. I think Alexi has played well when he's had the opportunity. So, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Um, you know, to have those three guys plus Kalen Ryden. And, you know, when we're not injured, we've got some real depth back there, obviously. So I guess the, the, the positive thing about the entire thing is there's not necessarily a wrong answer on this, right? Um, I assume we're going to play a back three until, until I see otherwise. I don't know why we wouldn't. Um, but, yeah, you've got the opportunity to play Will Seymour, Alexi Swahi, Rashid Tate, Kalen Ryden, any of those three guys back there, any three of those guys rather back there, um, I think would be would be great decisions. And again, if if Suggsy's healthy, that also changes the way you play, right? So maybe it's Suggsy on the left and Harry on the right. Maybe it's Suggsy on the left and Brucey on the right. Maybe Suggsy goes over to the right. We've seen him do that a few times. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I, maybe Raddy's available. You know, maybe maybe Raddy is has, is an option for the first time this season. Where? Um, where does Raddy? Where does Raddy play? Left, if he's an option. Yeah, he he'll, he'll play in, in kind of the role that Suggsy typically plays. Okay, um, that's on the left side. Um, at least that's that's what he did in 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 uh, when, he, when he was playing in Ghana. Um, um, but I, I mean, who knows? Maybe Zach wants to play him on the right. Don't know. Right. I, what we've seen on those wing roles is that Zach likes to flip them around, right? Suggsy's played on both sides. Brucey's played on both sides. Uh, Harry's played on both sides. Um, that's never he, really. Go ahead. He's more of a of a one of those winger wing backs than than a, a an Austin or or mm -hmm. a Swahi position. Yep, and and Yerzy is another example, right? He's played on on both both sides of that yeah. too, but obviously it doesn't look like he's going to be available tomorrow. 
All right. Well, David, we know you don't do scoreline predictions, so I'll, uh, I'll throw it over to Jacob and Earl. Guys, let's get uh, predictions on scoreline tomorrow night. Oakland Roots SC. 3 1. 2-0. 3-1, 2-0. Okay. I, I like those. I think those are both uh I think they're both very positive. I think you know we've been playing well. Uh so Oakland... a wise man a wise man told me week one <laughs> in an elevator to stay stay uh lower your expectations. Lower, lower your my expectations. expectations. So I'm not I'm not lowering my expectations. I'm keeping real expectations. Who told you to lower your expectations? Yeah, I can't reveal my source. Well, I know. It, it was Edmar. <laughs> do not lower your expectations. Well, have, granted, have we did predict. We, we did, did predict four nil and five nil. So yeah. okay, so maybe lower. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so I'm not lowering my expectations. I'm just keeping real expectations. Two so nil would be a great result. Week. Two nil would be great, Earl. Two nil would be awesome. I would yeah. love two. And I'm only calling two. So if we didn't play Saturday, I would probably call four, three nil, four nil. <laughs> um, but because we played on Saturday, I'm calling it two nil so, just because of the so you're not you're not changing anything. It's just a matter of having played Saturday. Hey, if keep <laughs> real expectations. Okay. Hey, so, so a couple cool. Oh, Seth, do your prediction, and then I want to want to hit you with a couple cool things for the about the match tomorrow. Yeah, um, you know, I, and to to what you guys were predicting early on, I do feel like we have the attacking capability to go off for for three goals, four goals every now and then. I don't see it being like an every week thing. Um, I do think a two 0 result is good here tomorrow night. So a couple cool things about the match tomorrow night: it will be Nico Brett's one hundred and fiftieth regular season USL Championship match. Um, it there's a few close milestones uh that are coming up um chris Weehan uh is one assist away from 30 for his usl championship regular season career which would make him 10th all time in the history of the uslc um alex tambakis is four saves away from becoming uh from second place all time in the usl championship in saves so he could potentially get that tomorrow night um he would pass brandon miller or tie brandon miller with four um pass him with five and would be behind only. Do you guys know who's ahead of him? I do. Hold on. It's a name that should be familiar to you. It's it's Newton, isn't it? It is Evan Newton. Yeah. Evan Newton, and he's well ahead at four eighty one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many more he's going to get this year. But <laughs> that's a topic for another. Well, day. I mean, he's he's gotten. He's had plenty of opportunities to make saves so far. I don't uh, know if he'll. I, I want to see Phil in there. Uh, so do so some El Paso man. fans, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so maybe then, I should maybe I should root for Newton to stay in there. <laughs> and if if all the El Paso fans, if uh, if we were to to do get a shutout tomorrow, um, it would move Alex into uh, sole possession of seventh all time in shutouts in USL Championship history. So some things to to keep an eye on tomorrow. Pretty cool. Yeah, some very very cool notes there. Oh, all one right. more. One more. If Nico gets two goals, he would uh, move into a tie for fifth all-time in the USL Championship with Chandler Hoffman at 66. And obviously Chandler is retired, so uh, I don't think he's going to cause any more issues for Nico. (laughs) Yeah, it was very cool talking those uh, those 
milestones the other night uh, with you. You kept bringing them up throughout throughout the match, and uh, I know we were all kind of hoping that Alex wouldn't get there, you know, all in one match. But yeah, if he got eight saves in a match, it would have been a problem, probably. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, that fantastic show. Thank you guys all for being here. Um, I do have one final question before we do have Jacob close us out. I, I know it's early, but I have to ask, what's the biggest surprise three matches into the season? Hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's got to be lights, right? Like, I know, I know we, we handled them and then they did lose. Um, who'd they lose to? They lost to uh, Memphis. Yes. Um, but for them to, to do what they did to Phoenix and then whatever the hell that was in El Paso, um, those two results alone this early in the season are are going to be the biggest, like, wait, what? Did that? I mean, I remember the El Paso match. It was nil-nil. And then I went to go put the kids to bed, and all of a sudden it was 4-1. Um, that that was insane so so to me it's it's las vegas this early in the stage so if, if you're asking you're asking about the league what's the biggest surprise yeah it's got to be loud for me uh i yeah. mean they two wins one draw they haven't given up a goal yet uh four goals for none against uh they beat new york um I'm, let me pull up hold on i have them up here drew with miami nil nil despite being down to 10 men um and uh they opened up the season with the win over Indy 11. Um, and Indy's been a big disappointment. That's been a surprise as well. Frankly, I thought they would be pretty good. Um, but, I mean, something's cooking over there in Loudoun, and I think they are a playoff team. I know it's early, but if you had told me before the season that Loudoun was a playoff team, I may have laughed at you. Um, I think they're good. I think they're a real good team. Earl, what's yours? So I actually have two. Um one we're pretty familiar with, and Jerry, if you're with us today, you might want to close <laughs> Jerry. I don't think Jerry is live right now. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen him exactly before. where the El Paso match. I haven't seen him all year. <laughs> He's been dormant. That's actually what I'm surprised about is the El Paso 0-3 start, or winless start. Um, and just kind of, I know it's early, like we've all said, um, just kind of how bad Phoenix has played and just their one win all season. Yeah, those are two, two that are definitely a surprise. I forget about Loudon because I forget about the East. Uh, to be completely honest, not disparaging the East at all. I just, I only have so much bandwidth to cover the league, uh, and and it is focused on the West more often. The simulation than is where it's at. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Loudon, I think they, I think they might have won the wooden spoon last year. So, yeah, yeah. it's drastic turnaround for them so far early on. Um, we need to get Adam on. I know we don't play him this year, but but talking talking to Adam from what what is it now? Next in uh, line. Next in line, yeah. Yeah, uh, from the Next in Line podcast last year, um, when we played Loudon, uh, a match I would rather forget. Yeah, um, you and me both. Buddy. He he was pretty sad, <laughs> and and understandably so. So I'd love to get him on now when he's in a little bit better mood. But um, the only thing about the Loudon match is that it was our last home loss, and so. It, it is easy to remember when that was and know that we have, okay, 16, 16 home matches in a row without being beaten. And that is currently the longest active streak since Phoenix lost. And, and that is surprising and also very cool. It was the only match we lost all of last season. The referee yeah. in that match really just kind of ruined that whole record, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
otherwise they otherwise we'd have been right there with El Paso and Phoenix and the talk of of home matches and whatnot. But I, I think part of what's surprising about it is some of those draws felt like losses because they were late late uh giving up a goal late like like we've talked about earlier so but i'm gonna be honest the draw on saturday felt like a loss yeah until i watched until i watched zach's facebook message on facebook and i was like yeah okay we're good (laughs) we're okay we're okay (laughs) yeah uh for me you know you you guys talk about el paso and loudon and and vegas and phoenix birmingham legion I mean, obviously they're replacing Nico. They're having, you know, a bit of a rebuild over there. They haven't quite figured out what they're doing yet. I mean, they're winless so far on the season. One draw, two losses. Um, kind of concerning there. I mean, I, I think they can turn it around, but who knows? Still a long, long way to go. All of all of my Birmingham knowledge comes from Kaler from the USL show. And uh, he, he lays it out pretty clearly that they've dealt with a crap load of injuries. I mean, we have two to an extent, but... But they, but they were a thinner team than we are. We didn't, they didn't have quite the depth, and they, they've had a lot of energies, injuries, and then they had a player retire, uh, basically after the first match. So, so. And what, I, what I would say about Birmingham too is they have played, you could argue three of the top five teams in the USL Championship in yeah. Colorado Springs, FC Tulsa, and Tampa Bay. Uh, so, they've gotten off to a tough start, certainly. But I think very similarly to El Paso, they're gonna, they're gonna. They're not a bad team. They're going to make right. the playoffs. They're going to be a good team. I think Birmingham is going to compete uh, to be one of the best teams in the East, in my opinion. It it speaks to Colorado's last year and a half or so that we didn't mention them as a surprise because they have looked uh, probably better than anybody else in the league so far this year. And, and the fact that we're not surprised by that speaks to what they've been building really since – 2019 uh i think even 2020 we saw glimpses of of what they were doing and and how well they were coming along and then they made a couple more changes and and bringing in burke and and then the signings that they made last offseason and this offseason have them sitting really well we lost jacob yep we sure did um but yeah, I agree with yeah. colorado springs gonna be very very good and i can't wait for we don't play them till like august or something like that yeah. but um that's gonna be fun that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about them last year, talking about just how good they looked. And even with the roster changes that they've had, like they, they've been able to to keep up, you know, the changes that, that they want to do. And they look really good right now. I mean, they're going to score a ton of goals between you got Barry, you got Galena, you got Belmar, you got Lindley in the midfield. I mean, they're going to score a ton of goals. They, they, may, they may give up a decent number of goals too, and they haven't so far, but uh, – they're, they're, I think their goal is just to outscore whoever they play. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I don't know what happened with Jacob's internet, but we'll figure that out here in just a minute. But, um, yeah, I think that's going to wrap up our show. Um, David, uh, are you? do you have details you can give us on, on the new podcast yet, or is that still kind of under wraps? I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, it's the same podcast as before. It's just we're, we're picking up for season two. Um, the reason we haven't started yet is we just got in some new uh, podcast equipment. So I think we're gonna we're gonna switch up the format a little bit. Uh, I don't think we're gonna do the live stream thing anymore, um, which um, I think is good and bad. Right, it allows us to kind of take some time and make sure that we're editing everything in a way that makes sense and, and make sure it sounds as good as possible. So, um, but beyond that, um, I would expect probably our first episode here in the next week or two. 
Um, should be a lot of fun. It's uh, it's uh, United Sessions, obviously you guys know it, and uh, yeah, tune in and should be a lot of fun. I ah, still have to say the best I'm United back. Sessions episodes you guys ever had. Um, I mean, they were all great, but Thanks. the best one you guys had was when Tyler and uh, many. Oh, I just grew many. Many did play by play on cats running at mirrors, and that was. <laughs> I had never laughed so hard in my life. So if you could bring those two back just to narrate like cats walking on treadmills or something, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we'll see if we can get that in there. And then maybe we add in like Andy Hageman. I get the radio side in there as well. Just do kind of three of them at once. That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, Jacob, uh, while you're gone, we kind of like started to close out the show. Um, so yeah, we got, we got, you know, we, we were talking obviously, uh, switchbacks and or and uh so yeah we all kind of agreed like they, they look really good um and they're gonna be dangerous this year so 100 all right jacob you want to get us out of here for tonight yeah of course uh aaron i'm upset if you guys talked so much crap about the spurs while i was gone because i i'd have been right there with you I, I don't mind talking crap about the spurs sometimes uh i just don't like to hear about you guys doing good so so as long as that wasn't the case then Let's just get rid of uh, David here as he's showing this shirt. <laughs> no, uh, David, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was a pleasure. Uh, it's always nice to have somebody that that has a little more uh, knowledge of the club and and uh, and just what you did with the Open Cup. Not only this year having the home match and stuff, but uh, oh, Sombrero Man, <sighs> I'm surrounded. Um, not only this year, what you did w with the club, but, but in 2019 with that, that run that, that we had and, and all the work that you had uh, as president of the curse there, just doing all that. It's, it was incredible then. And, and looking back, it, we, I didn't talk about it earlier, but, but when freighter scored that equalizer uh, against rapids, I was in my living room watching on my phone with my headphones, because at the time we had a newborn and a two year old and uh, I woke them both up because I jumped up screaming. And so it is also a memory that I will never forget and probably one of the top two or three sports moments. So uh, just appreciate you. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. And um, I'm not sure what our schedule. Did we decide what our schedule is for next week? Uh, um, so because the, the match is on Tuesday, we're not going to do a live show next week. Um, Jacob and I will be out at the match. Um, I've also talked to Audrey. Uh, so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll sit down and we'll record something after the match. The three of us can, then we'll put that up on uh, podcast services uh, later that week. Okay. So there you have it. Um, uh, so in two weeks, we'll be back. Uh, we'll talk about the open cup. Uh, I think we actually have an off week that week. So, so maybe we can do some weird stuff. Uh, Earl can finally get his uh, WrestleMania talk in. Cause I know he's excited to be going there next week. And uh, yeah. And uh, he, he'll be on the road back on Tuesday night, too. So Tuesday's just not going to work. But uh, we'll keep you guys posted. And, and I can't wait till we get to come back on here and, and uh, have all this stupid Arsenal fans in our chat again. And, and uh, that's what United does. is it, it brings Tottenham fans and Arsenal fans together uh, for one United cause, which, which is saying a lot. So I appreciate everybody. And, and until next time, someone think of You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. 
Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.